Feeling tired at the gaming table? Want to hear foul-mouthed jackasses poke fun at gaming companies when they screw up? Want an honest, street-level opinion from a team of gamers that call it like it is? Then Blunt Force Gamers may be the podcast for you. Listener discretion advised. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and gamers of all ages, it is I, your host, Game Goblin, himself, the Thakonaut, back from adventures and far and away and other places. As usual, I'm joined by my two sensual and seductive co-hosts, a most sublime, sexy... Darth Blasphemous, hail to the dark side. And the sensual and synesthesia... Kazakhan, the Lord Dragon. That was totally a fuck up on that synesthesia. <laughs> I'm running out of S words here. <laughs> okay, I said that's that's enough fun from us. We're gonna get right into the podcast because you know, hey, we suck. I mean, we're awesome. We suck at being awesome. Our fans and listeners are awesome. Yes, our fans and listeners are awesome. Agree. You, there are. I want to say thank you specifically. I wish I had names, but we don't get that metadata. I don't get the metadata on names because I'm not Zuckerberg. Yeah, but just the fact that you guys listen to us is good enough for us. The podcast does that. not spy on its listeners. Coming to you live from our suburban bunker hellhole. <laughs> it's a little hot today. It's three dog. <laughs> so we've got a fun topic, and it came up on a Facebook group that I was a part of, um, and it came down to. What level a DM should go to with details. Coming down from what a character wears to how their character looks, even if it goes against the species makeup in that world, which does matter. You can play as an outsider who's been trapped here. That's cool, but give, give us something, you know? Because we want, as GMs, we want our players to have fun. That's the whole point. Yeah, I mean, it's supposed to be gaming, and gaming is supposed to be fun. It's not like... You know, gaming's for everyone. Like, we've said this a lot. We mean it. It's kind of important. And, you know, that that's the thing, but you have people who are far too controlling on the player side who are like, well, I want to play a dragonborn that has a tail, and it's like, well, they don't, and that matters because creatures with tails have the ability to have a prehensile tail, which they can use to grab onto things, use it as balance, you know, there's there's things in the rules about that. And people are like, well, I just want to play my character however I want. It's like, well, there, there are rules and game things that we want to keep from breaking, right? And one of those things, which was a sub-conversation about this argument, is when it comes to colors. And I'm not talking skin tones or anything, you know, whether your orcs are green or drab or brown, whatever. This is more identification colors, like... This is attire more than the person wearing it. The town guard wears uh, striped green and white. Meanwhile, the bandit lord wears a black and red face mask. Uh, Yeah, it was like the same thing we pulled in a, a Rifts game back in the ancient times when I was still young. We had gang colors, and one of the worst things you could do to the opponent gang is when you kill one of their members or whatever, if you wanted to be truly disrespectful, you would uh, basically muddy their colors. You know, I was like, oh, you know, I mean, it was important. I mean, like, and same with D&D, like you're talking about, like the town guard might wear a tabard or a tunic of some sort that has a special logo emblazoned on it in a specific color scheme to denote either their rank or their uh, position or where they're currently uh, deployed. Yeah. The flag of a town, a country, the colors out of a a priest would wear for certain gods. Yeah, this is the same with uh, certain flags, too. Like, they'll have the color, like, when you see a three-bar flag of three different colors, uh, there's one that's specifically, like, the water is on the bottom and it's blue and the sun is actually on the top which is the yellow stripe and then you've got a black stripe in the middle which is represents everything between the water and sky mm-hmm. you know the, it, like so flag colors are important to this because they can actually be uh mentioning something more symbolic yeah or the holy color of one group might be the blasphemous color of another you know like you come in and you're worshiping slanesh right you come in and whatever fucking i don't know pink I believe it's a, a more of a slimy color. 
you know. More of a bodily fluid color. More of a bodily fluid kind of creamy white. Yeah, so if you come in wearing that to a, a holy temple of, you know, the Blessed Mother or something, they're going to be like, get the fuck out. Because it, it could be a thing of, you know, it's, it's, um... It, it's culture clash. Yeah, which, which is the thing. It's like, you know, if you go to, say, uh, some countries and you wear a certain color, right? Say so you go to Ireland and you're wearing green and they actually care about their old traditions... That's a bad luck color. You don't want to be around that person. You don't want to have them in your establishment. Well, it's also like... Um, colors also denote... Especially like in a fantasy setting. And, you know, this is true to real life at the same time. Some colors are really hard to produce. Like purple. There's a reason why purple was Ooh. a royal color. Is the dyes were exceptionally hard to uh, create. Accomplish. And you had it, to crush the shells of this certain type of snail that grew in one lake after letting them out and dry, you then had to crush them and you would get like a gram of it for every hundred thousand you crushed. Yeah, like purple is a very difficult color to pull off, so that's why it became the color of royalty, is it was expensive and difficult to obtain. And so the royals could afford it. Whereas uh, more natural colors like uh, different variations of red, ochre, orange, browns, browns, yellows, greens. you know, those were commoners' colors. Mm-hmm. You know, so they're everywhere. Yeah, it was easy to craft those. So when you're doing like a, a color code scheme, especially like in a fantasy setting, some colors like if the town guard has like a purple ribbon uh, as part of their uh, fucking uh, outfit, uniform. their uniform. They're probably going to be royal guards, you know. And they are not going to fuck around if you if you do anything wrong. So like, yeah, if royal I, guards will fuck your day up. So That's the whole point. The group of players, you know, they walk around. I, I give the description. You know, they're like all the town's guardmen here. They have a sash that they wear, and it basically is a red and gold uh, woven rope. And then like one guy seems to be barking out orders, and you know, it's like, wow, that guy must be better. And if you describe, hey, he's got like a uh, a purple string also tied to his. You know, so his sash to denote that he's part of the royal guard, so he outranks them. So later on, if another guy comes walking up and barking out orders similarly, and I don't describe, you know, if somebody goes, "Hey, does he have, you know, the purple thread?" and I'm like, "No," then they might, the players might get clued on that either this guy either outranks the guy with the purple string, or he's faking. Could be a stolen valor thing. Uh, different colors and different items that characters can wear in a game can denote a lot. And, you know, we touched on flags earlier. A flag is meant to be symbolic. That's the whole point. It represents a nation, an environment, a grouping. Mm-hmm. And typically hidden within those, within flags, is the meaning, is some of the cultural meanings of those uh, of those cultures. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Goblin mentioned, you know, blue on the bottom, the black stripe in the middle, and the, the yellow up top for the sea, the land, the sky. That's that's a demarcation of territory. Everything from the waterline up, basically. And you can go deeper into that, too, with, um, like, back in not so much medieval times, but the pre-industrial era, orange was a color associated with, uh, in our world, with people who were uh, Protestants, non-Catholics. That was their color. That's how they delineated a lot of that. Um... You had other groups such as the Templars. They wore the white robes and they had the red crosses and all that. You had uh, other groups of crusaders or, you know, holy groups that would wear certain colors. And it would symbolize them as a group. But if you've got, say, a party and someone has a, a, a clothing item of each color, sometimes you gotta be careful. It could give you a plot point. It could give you a better understanding of the world about how some people the color yellow is so hard to make in such a pure fashion even though it's a high magic world that because your character has it they're getting targeted because people want to steal that maybe yeah yeah like certain colors are, are really hard to craft and finding an item you know like say they get a leather breastplate they found in the treasure hoard you got a bunch of level threes level fours running around they find something and it's marked with, say, bronze. Mm-hmm. You know, this could be like a legend, or not legendary, but a historical item they find because bronze an isn't going to be, yeah, an artifact. Bronze isn't highly used. And then it's also got, you know, detailing on the bronze that's done in another color, kind of like a uh, green. 
Well, doing green with metal is hard, mm-hmm. depending on the metal. I mean, you're like copper, yeah, no problem. But other metals, green can be pretty hard to do. So if they have like green titanium inlays, chances are that's probably going to be a famous item, and people, it's going to be a symbol of that character's wealth. Something like the, the color and material combination is a designation of wealth. Yeah, it, the same can apply too. Also, in like high tech games, you know, somebody gets like the nano weave fiber filament thingy, uh, thingy, mabob that they can wear on their head. It's like holy shit! You know how hard those are to get, to make, to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Like, there's only like 400 of those things out in the world. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right? And you know, any little thing, any little detail, and this goes for both the NPCs and the players can be something that is a sign that has a meaning. Whether or not those characters are aware of it is a separate issue. And it can, like Blasphemous has said, it brings up a lot of good RP moments. Oh, totally. It totally brings up a lot of good RP moments. Like, if you're doing a modern day game and somebody has their car painted in that uh, black cherry scheme, or I should say cherry black, Mm -hmm. uh, where the car appears to be both black and a deep red at the same time because... Color shift in the paint. Uh, the, the color shift in the paint. That's eye catching. So, if you're doing a modern day game and somebody happens to see a black car pull up next to them and then it totally smokes them and then they realize, you know, the car's got that color shift paint, that's going to be a marker for later in the future. Colors are very important, um, as well as the you know the des- design of different things. Mm-hmm. So when somebody is playing their character and an NPC is described as having that vehicle, they're going to know to look out for that vehicle later in the future. Hey, hey. were you that asshole that smoked me in a race? Exactly. And then, even then, you can go deeper into this, which is something that wasn't from the original argument. But okay, go deeper. Come on, get symbols. deep. Because think about it. In the real world, you have the Maori people who get really pissed for people that have quote-unquote tribal-style tattoos, especially facial tattoos. For them, that's a sacred thing. It's part of their culture. They don't like it when other people just randomly do it. There are other cultures that do face tattoos, even Native Americans. That mainly to delineate property of certain people. But it's one of those things of we can look at this and even if going into colors and symbols, like you were saying, the town guard has a griffin or some shit as well, a little griffin shield. Okay, like, like, like on their pauldron or something. Mm-hmm. You know, that, you know, if it's like, well, this guy's got a griffin, that guy's got a snake, uh, the other guy's a dragon. Ah, well, that's easy enough. They all work for different noble houses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and noble houses will do this all the time. Knights, historically, were hired by noble houses, or were part of those noble houses, depending on which zone you were in. And their tabards would be the family crest of arms, or whichever order they're, they're a member of. The Knights Templar had their own, especially during the Crusades. There's a whole bunch of that. Nice hospitaler. Nice hospitalier. Mm-hmm. Well, well, color schemes uh, and even material and material design is a massive factor in identification of different personages. And as much as I don't want to give credit to the later seasons, but early on, Game of Thrones did this really well because you could spot a Lannister knight right off the bat as opposed to, say, the uh, Unsullied. Mm-hmm. Their armor effectively, for the most part, was the same, except, of course, the Lannisters wore heavier armor. Uh, The Knights from the Reach wore similar armor to the Lannisters, but at the same time, it was that instant recognition. Which is the entire purpose, actually, of having these tabards, the, the visual identifying sigils. So when you're swinging a sword around in the middle of combat and all that chaos, you know who's friend and foe. If you recognize people that you work work besides, hey, I've seen that particular sigil. He's a good guy. I'm going to go help him. I don't recognize that one, and I haven't been told that we're buddying up with anyone I'm not familiar with. So he's probably not my friend. Is a valid and is very important part of historic battles. You see that guy over there? He's wearing the Campbell colors. He's got to die. No fucking Campbells. Oh, but sorry. they make the best soup. No fucking Campbell's. <laughs> it's written right on the front of the fucking pub. <laughs> but but still, you know, you, it goes into that, and it, it can play a lot into, well, you guys got to sneak into a place. 
So you need to knock out the guards and put on that same clothes, right? Well, if you've got uh, the half-giant in your group, it's going to be a little hard to do. I don't know, man. Seems these are a little tight. Do these make my thighs look too big? He says as they rip along the seams. <laughs> but, but it's just one of those The things. barbarian is thick. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for noticing. Thanks for noticing me, senpai. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh, bad taste aside. The, no, bad this, taste would be like going into the dragon's lair after fighting off hordes of aberrations, undeads, a cabal legion. You finally get to the dragon and it flutters its eyelashes at you and says, Ooh, ooh. Ugh. Slay me, senpai. No. <laughs> uh, Actually, that would be a rather clever defense mechanism for a dragon. It just throws you off guard. <laughs> it's a cringe dragon. It's a cringe dragon. Its breath weapon is B.O. <laughs> No, I think, though, we should circle back around the, the precursor of this conversation oh. because uh, the description you gave of mm -hmm. the person wanting to play the dragon-blooded fuckawid... I, I wanted to play a dragonborn and... I fucking hate dragonborn, but that's me personally. Um, they don't have tails. No, there's just always so many Skyrim references. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Always. It's like, can you... I understand you really like Skyrim, but can you please deviate from the source material in a way that doesn't make it seem like this is just another carbon copy of Skyrim? Or dive into the lore a little bit so you actually understand why certain things are happening? Exactly. Why your, uh, what was it, the the maid? Uh, the archetypal? No, 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 the, uh, the lusty Argonian maid. The lusty Argonian maid lifts her tail. But yeah, when you were describing the... Uh, dragon entity person. Drag I almost said dragonkin, but uh, you know that's probably was. Uh, who knows? Anyway, uh, one of the things that we as GMs have to encounter, and, and players may get this, they may not. I mean, not every player wants to be a GM. Not every player is forced to be a GM. But once you kind of cross that threshold, there's no going back. And one of the first primary things we as GMs think about is balance. And when you're telling me that somebody wants to play a character with a tail that traditionally in that world and by rules does not have a tail, and I've seen this before many a time, somebody will try to include something, they'll sneak it in under the radar. Mm -hmm. And you know, most GMs won't get it, especially with like younger GMs. Like a psychic bard? <laughs> like a psychic bard or something like that. You know, they'll try to sneak something in, but uh, they'll, be, they'll say now that, oh, they can't do anything with it. And then, like, eight game sessions later, they'll try to tail slap somebody. Yep. Or they'll try to use it as a prehensile tail, or they'll use it for balance and say, well, you know, the creatures that can, you know, I'm like a T-Rex, you know, I'll just stick my tail straight out and I'll be able to balance better. Give me a plus two on my acrobatics. They'll, they'll, they'll try to add they'll some sort of modifier. They'll try to it back in. <clears throat> yeah. And if it's an aesthetic <clears throat> thing, you know, then you just have to, like, uh, Moniker, if he was here, uh, he had spikes on his shield at one point. We had to discuss about how those wouldn't get anything. And then later, he paid to get actual real weaponized the, spikes because having a spiked shield does more damage. And, you know, there's actual rules to that. He was paying for a baseline shield. Yeah, yeah, with a baseline shield, and then you've got the aesthetic, and then ponying the money up later to get it to be item status, mm -hmm. per the rules, totally good. Exactly. Totally good. And, and that's what it is, you know, oh... My uh, tiefling, uh, I specifically built a tiefling DMPC lately that has the prehensile tail trait. Well, that's coded in the rules that they have that. Each one is different. It gives you a list of options. Some have horns, some have hooves, some have tails, some have, you know, Medusa fucking hair, whatever. They're all different. But there's actual rules in there for you to... Because if I had a tail as a fucking half demon or whatever yeah i would totally want to be like my tail can grab shit so i had to go and give up some traits which was i think the i don't know i had to give up something in it, order to have it so that i had tiny horns that i couldn't use as you know in a headbutt attack that gave me no advantage they actually hurt more and to have a tail i had to give up certain other things to get those because that made my character the unique character I wanted. The yellowed skin didn't cost me anything because it says their skins come in varying colors. Green, blue, red, yellow. Chartreuse. Chartreuse, indigo. 
What the fuck ever? Teal. So there are there are ones where stuff like it matters, but say they're again they're wanting to be a, a half dragon, right, or whatever the hell it was a uh, dragonborn. Yeah, dragonborn. Well, then they also have to pick which dragon they align with because dragons in D and D, their color or metallic nature depends on what kind of dragon it is, and you usually get a breath weapon ability. Typically, yeah. So those things do matter. All of it matters. Now, if someone wants to just play the character and they don't use that tail for anything ever, then we can just play it off as, oh, well, it's an aesthetic tail. They made it out of their fucking sheddings and made a fake tail. Or, or, you know, or at the very least, comic you know, relief. Or at the very least, if somebody said, oh, why won't my character have a tail? I'm like, okay, it's vestigial. Yeah. End of discussion. You have a tail. You just can't do anything with it. It just flops around on the ground behind you. Mm-hmm. Because again, a, a, a tail. Uh, when I'm looking at like the natural world, even if it's not in use for combat purposes, it still assists with balance and swimming. And even if uh, fat storage, fat storage, you know, they can go longer and whatnot. Or you know, uh, let's see, swimming balance. Uh, oh yeah, that's what I was getting to. Is it can also denote um, current mood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it can be a giveaway whether they're happy, sad, scared. If it gets ripped off in battle, does it grow back? Yeah, if it, is it one of those ones that, like a lizard tail, that grows back? And not only that, but now if, even if they just have a vestigial tail in combat as a GM, I'd be like, "Well, well someone's going to swing a at it." Tail. If they go to grapple you, I'm sorry, they're going to try and grab that tail because it's a weak spot. It's going to hurt. It's going to so control they, your if motion. You get tripped up, and then they go to grapple you. I'm specifically not going to have is that they. Is it grab your tail? Because if you grab the tail of anything, they freak out. You grab the tail of a cat, they freak out. Dog, they freak out. And of course, uh, if they have a tail, considering the skeletal structure of humanoids, anything they wear from uh, from the waist down is going to need to be specially tailored for them, which is going to cost more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And of course, these are the kind of players, like the way the discussion went, um, I can assume that if the DM did do this, they're like, well, if you're going to buy pants, you're going to have to have a hole cut in the back, or they're going to have to be specially stitched. Or learn to do it yourself. Or learn to do it yourself. They're going to act like, oh, well, you're punishing me for playing my character. No, I'm trying to run a highly detailed game. Yeah, well, they're still going to, these are the kind of people who will do this shit if they're a snowflake like that. That's what I see going on. I've been GMing for over 20 years. I've you seen know. it before. It's going to happen. This is the kind but, of shit I've seen. But that it is, a thing, it is a thing that bothers me because I, as a GM, like to have the details. And having people what colors they wear. I had a group, and unfortunately, it, I have the group. We said goodbye to one person, and then another person might be leaving. But uh, we... Uh, we got together and decided the colors of their group, and they made a sigil. Unfortunately, it's red and black. Colors I don't really care for the pairing of. I really feel they're always more drab, it's harder to color. I wanted to get the wax seal thing going, and it, it doesn't look good, so I didn't bother wasting the money. Instead, I bought a little $2 squirrel uh, like plastic toy from a store and painted it up in uh, cheap bronze paint and there we go that's their their sigil on the map when we're denotating on the, the country size map of where their hometown is yeah and the these things happen right parties will eventually want to form their own symbol mm-hmm. and it will represent them um, King like, Maker had a small section about this much as it was a really crappy well crappy done module like it was like moments two snakes coming together over a black sun right crazy shit but they actually had a flag making section crom and sigils are important they're identifiers uh you brought up earlier outside of podcast you know the fighters guild has red epaulets so yeah, whatever armor the, they're wearing you look the for that red epaulet guild has a red belt with a specific little detail on the end you know, a bronze little clasping hand or something. The uh, the Bard's College may have a, a lyre string as mm-hmm. their pin, like a lapel pin, right? Wizard uh, School has, you know, a small book-looking pin. Um, the monks all have, you know, what color robes you have to delineates the school. Are you the anti-key school, or are you one that you do... Hadoukens and magic blasts all the time with your natural energy. They wear a different color gi. With my claw. 
Sorry, I my face and the struck of my cloud. My cloud. But, and you know, this can be said for any like um, a druid circle will have their own symbol. Yeah, whether it be an oak leaf or a fig leaf or yeah, something you know, spines of a fucking uh, evergreen tree, you know, a pine cone. And the, all of these organizations exist, and they will have some method of identifying it, visually or audibly. Some, um, like, looking at class, right? Uh, the peasantry is going to speak differently than the, nob- the nobility or the royalty. Their level of education is typically different. Mm-hmm. Not always, but typically. So you can tell if you, as a GM, are talented enough at playing with voices or vocal mannerisms, you can delineate things that way, too. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, That's some next-level shit right there. It is some next-level shit. Advanced training. Advanced game montage. Montage! <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, if you are that capable of a GM, more power to you. That's boss. I did six months of training to work on my voices, and all I got was, Hello, I'm Hans. It is very nice to meet you. <laughs> That's all I've got. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, stuff like this, right? You can... These details mar- can mark for humor. They can mark for really anything you decide you want to purpose it for. Honestly, though, if uh, when my players sit down at my table... And we, we get over the, the beginning, because almost every game starts with everybody describing what their character looks like, which is promptly forgotten by everybody except that player. Um, sometimes, most times, less is more. Oh, yeah? Uh, for example, uh, you get somebody who's there and they're like, I got steel gray eyes and hair with white flecks that look like it snows. And, you know, I'm buff and ripped and covered in scars, and I've got this on, and I wear this, and but I always But I'm only a around. level one fighter. But I'm only a level one fighter, you know. Basically, they're like a cross between Conan, Drizzt, and some fucking blue Geralt. Smurf thing. Yeah, I know. I was Avatar, thinking Geralt, too. Or Geralt, you know. They're, they're all sorts of, like, awesome things combined together at first level. And they go into this huge, expansive, like, two-page description of their character. And then you got this guy over there who's just an orc, and he's like, yeah, I got one broken tusk. And, you know, somehow, that's going to be more memorable than the gray specks of hair. Yeah. yeah. And somehow, yeah, like... One tooth! What's up, bro? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, there will be recognition from NPCs for and something often, that distinctive. And often, most times, people will pay more attention to what you do in character or in game than you do when you go through the description pre-game stuff. Oh, yeah. You, oh, can, yeah. you can describe your character until people fall asleep, and they may not care, but... Like someone's hair that always looked like it was flowing in the breeze? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. But you get Crack Tusk over there, who, for some reason, is a practical joker even during combat. That will be more memorable. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, like the, he's going to have a reputation from wherever he's from. Yeah, the orc because who, of that. Yeah, the, the, like an orc grappler with one broken tooth, you know, who just walks up, grabs the enemy by the hand, and says, Stop hitting yourself! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People will remember this more so than your brooding, dark anti-hero who leans over the ground and goes, mm, Yes, definitely elf blood. I yep. must extrapolate all of this. <laughs> right? I, uh, my, my current warlock, right? The mark that he was given is bright fucking yellow eyes. That's the big highlight feature. And a little bit of a baby face. Well, that's better than the highlight feature I picked for my summoner. Mm. <laughs> the summoner who hates himself? Oh, no. Yeah. What, what's his? Uh, well, I was trying to come up with an idea, and like this is a, a classic because I like fucking with the rules. Mm-hmm. Duh. And I was like, can I make a lowly mancer? Oh, uh, yes. Yes. And then, you know, like, as I kept on going and going and going, eventually I decided, you know, it'd be great. You know, like, the characters, like, when they get into the game, they're brooding and shit. But instead of, like, waiting for everybody else to be interested in asking why I've got this dark brooding background, I would just lay it on the table and be like, look, okay, here's the case. Everybody from my family line is a great and powerful sorcerer who can summon extraplanar beings from some goddamn dimension. And everybody in my family line is of a storm lineage. We summon boulders and lightning bolts and elementals and all sorts of crazy shit. And I get a little girl with a giant lollipop, all right? <laughs> I hate my life, and I hate that I have a glowing pink heart over my forehead. Let's adventure so I can find a cure for this. 
So I, they, they were like a lowly master who hated life because all I could summon was like little Japanese anime girls with oversized syringes who would say, notice me, senpai, when they attack shit. And he just hated life. Now, I, wait. I figured that would be funny because he's brooding, but he would just let it out on the table. So it's whenever like, look, dude, I'm not mad because it's so, my life. I'm not sucks. mad because you're a gunslinger. I'm mad because this thing never leaves me alone. You know how hard it is to sleep when this thing is patting you on the forehead saying, notice me? So does, does this guy, to cover his bright pink heart on his head, grow his hair down over his forehead and eyes like every other H-style uh, uh, protagonist? No, no, I would say he would probably like, have one of those like fits of rage around the age of 27 and shave his entire head bald and be like, look at me now, I'm a freak! <laughs> you know? Just, you know, like, I, I would... Cause I, I, the, the whole idea of the lowly master was like to flip the dark anti-hero on its head and just like come right out and say what my problem is. Look, I have a problem. <clears throat> I'm trying to fix it. Let's go so I can yeah, fix it. Almost, Please. Because almost every role-playing anti-hero just sits there and broods. And like the player's like, well, every why doesn't anybody ever ask me about my backstory? And it's like, well, maybe because you're a distant cock who doesn't talk to anyone. Right. So instead, I to steal <clears throat> my treasure. Yeah, so I just turn it on its head and like have the dark brooding character just walk up and be like, "Look, here's the deal. This is why I'm always pissed. I'll try to be nice to you guys, but right now, every time I level up, I get more of these. I don't like it because for some reason, whatever divine power that created me, the player decided that I would be a brood master, <laughs> which means every level I get another one. I hate it. You know, just." Just turn the whole anti-hero thing on its head and make them angry on purpose. Just and, and just be sullen open. and sullen, sad and mopey about sad, it. And mopey, sad, but they would be open about it. They'd be it's like, like, I'm not trying to hide this. Like, I'm just frustrated with it. Yeah, they'd just be frustrated, you know. And again, this is kind of like the less is more. Is like the whole lowly master concept is, you know, yeah, the lollies are there and the, the, the brooding character is there. But I wouldn't get into the whole thing of like. And my character has strangely gray, uh, gray circles around his eyes, denoting that he's actually got a lineage from a desert people. Nobody cares about that. No, nobody does. Like, <laughs> glowing yellow eyes or glowing purple eyes, that's that's pretty distinctive. It's good enough on its own. I would be more worried about if your character had glowing yellow eyes and you started referring to yourself as a god. See, there's, and, yeah, there's and some you troubles the, there. The, the, the palm thing to make people freeze and be like, I'm looking for Daniel Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing of the sort. There's a worm in my chest. Uh, Indeed, Daniel Jackson. <laughs> Hi, son, I'm dad. Uh, yes. But, but, but so it's one of those things that does delineate is... The, the colors people wear when they describe their character, if they do have backgrounds of like, well, I'm from a mining town, so I always keep a fucking shovel with me because you never know. Right? And I think the farthest I got in my discussion last time we played when I was doing my half league, as I said, I wear loose-fitting, durable, and brightly gaudy clothing. Oh, in my game? Yeah, in your game. I, I basically just laid it out in like two sentences. My character dress is flashy, loose-fitting, and durable clothing. Bam. Done. Go Carry on. on. Yeah, you know, at that point, I just left everything else up to the player's imagination as to what bright, gaudy shit I was wearing. And it would change person to person, I'm certain. Yeah. And that's that's part of the fun of it. Like, um, you mentioned the practical Joker Crack, tooth, tra- crack Tusk. Yeah, right? like Crack Tusk. There we go. There's a character that any player can have. And he free. gets mad when everyone calls him One Tooth. Yeah, like, it's cracked. It's not gone. Fuck you. And, you know, things like that. Um, my same warlock, right? He lost his shit because he was basically tanking a dragon. It didn't I, go well. I, I think it'd be actually really funny. You should add one thing to him that he only complains. Like, Crack Tusk is like everybody's favorite drunken uncle, and the only time he complains is when it's cold out. Because that one cracked tooth is just like super sensitive to cold. Oh, God. The, the one time that the sorceress at the bar convinced him to have a special drink, which she just made iced. Yeah, yeah. he gets hit with a ray of frost, and that's when, you know, the, the right. sailor's cussing comes out. No, that's when he auto-rages. He just auto-rages, like, Grr. If you've ever had, like, tooth pain, you'll understand why. Oh, yeah. Like, if it's got an open, but exposed nerve. Time, you know, with a character like that who would be, you know, kind of, you know, fun to be around for most of the time, you know, like... At the same time, he'd have a sense of humor about it. Like, my only weakness is ice cream. <laughs> I hope the enemy dragon doesn't bring over a tub of Ben and Jerry's or I'm screwed. <laughs> right? Especially with the rest of the, the personality that, yeah. they, that we've sort of oh, half-assed yeah, developed. Dragon, it would definitely have a bunch of Ben and Jerry's. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. 
It would all be red Ben and Jerry's with hammers and sickles. (laughs) 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 Inside voice. Um, Uh, No, like, when creating characters or or doing the colors or differentiation, you know, like, having a tail is fine. If I explain to the GM, yes, I have a tail with my character. I want to be my own special, unique snowflake. Maybe it was uh, in my character's background, if they're magical in nature. You know, like, my characters have a draconic bloodline Mm -hmm. on top of being dragonborn. I could see that. You know, and if they say, well, it's vestigial, then I'm all for it. Because it offers no mechanical bonuses in game, and it does not give them an unfair advantage over the rest of the party. Uh, For designing encounters and adventures and stuff, I have to keep balance in mind at my forefront along with fun. I want my players to have fun. If somebody wants to have a tail, I want them to have a tail, but at the same time, I don't want them to have an unfair advantage over three to six other people sitting at my game table. Mm-hmm. If they have an unfair advantage, then everybody else is going to want to have a tail or something special about him. And then now I'm dealing with not one snowflake, but a blizzard. And, you know, I don't know if you... any if, Fighting a blizzard is hard work. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm, better mm-hmm. just to stay inside and toast up the fire. Yeah, yeah, when you're dealing with a blizzard, the only choice is just to close the door and turn up the heat. Wait it out. Wait it out. Let the blizzard just... Do its thing and be gone. Wait till spring to see if the blizzard is finally thawed. Because um, if you get one special snowflake, I've seen it before. Like one person will have something special given to them by the GM upon their request, and now everybody is going to ask for special uh, thingy, special thingy X, the special power Y. I had one player. Special he wanted. Z. I laid it out um, early on in the game. No third party stuff. Mm-hmm. None. I, just core books only. That way, everybody has access to the source material. Yep. Right? If somebody wants to know about certain class, they don't have to log into an internet. They don't have to search through forums or any of that crap. They can just open the book and boom, there it is. Or if they don't have the book, the, the PFSRD. Quick, easy, breezy, super cheesy, lemon squeezy, done. And I had one player go over and over and over. And eventually I just fucking relented because I got tired of it. Uh, that he wanted a feat out of a third-party book. I let him have it. And then suddenly everybody else at the table was like, well, I want this third-party something-something. And I was like, see, this is why I didn't want it to happen. One guy killed the game because he wanted something special would not relent. Of course, me being the asshole I am, I just turned it around and said, well, it was his fault because he wouldn't shut up. Mm-hmm. He basically was commandeering all the game time that the other players could have so he could have a special, unique thing. And after he got it, everybody else wanted special, unique things. And I said, well, this is why I said core books only. Because he wasted all your time until I finally decided that I just want a game. And in order to give you guys game time... So... See, I, as a GM, I don't know if it's just because I can be a real dick. But if someone wanted to do that and just unrelentingly berate me, I'd be like, and rocks fall, your character dies. Just your character. Yeah. And they fall in a giant penis shape. Yeah, at this time and point, though, I really couldn't do that, per se. Were they the one living with you? Yeah. Mmm. Awkward. Yeah, so... There was a roommate situation going on, so if I made the roommate situation more uncomfortable than it needed to be... The surrounding life would be... I would have been homeless a lot sooner than I was. Fortunately, it gave me time to just, you know, work on shit. So, you know, there was always behind the scenes... uh, Drama. Drama and rules, things to worry about. But if this was at a game store, I'd be like, look, dude, drop the subject. No third-party stuff. I've already laid my foot down. Everybody else is obeying the precept laid forward. Either you get in line, or there's the door. You know, unfortunately, though, real-life situation with roommate stuff... No, I couldn't do that. A little bit more fine-tuning required. It took some fine-tuning, but I did. I turned it around. I'm like, look, this guy was going on and on and on and on about this one special thing he wanted for his character. And if I give him that special thing, everybody else is going to want a special thing. And they did. And, like, he wasted literally, like, three hours worth of game session time. Just to to get that fucking uh, feat he wanted for his goddamn little kabold. And, you know, once things got rolling and game got called and stuff like that, and he got all pissy because uh, suddenly everybody else was getting third-party stuff. He was no longer the specialist one. I was like, well, you wasted three hours of everybody's time here. Four other people are sitting at the table, and you had to waste four people... You had to waste 12 hours of other people's lives all compounded together. 
for a fee. And, you know, when somebody walks up, like, if I was playing a game, uh, running a game, and this dragonkin person wanted a tail, they better have an explanation. Yeah. Especially if they're not my roommate. And, you know, that's the other thing. Explanations mean things, right? And that's, you know, background is important. It's details in that that'll give your GM flex that he can play with hooks to to help bring you into the story as something that's pertinent to your character. Well, what gets me about this one is, according to the post uh, that was made that you read, the GM specifically stated, this race does not have this feature in my world. Yeah. And the, the character, or the player, is like, just let me play my character in a super... By the way it was written, it was like the, you know, they're eyes rolled back white and they're standing immediately behind just whispering loudly in their ear let me play my character yeah that um canonically if that species does not have that why am i going to allow somebody to go well let me play a human with cat-like eyes and i'm like canonically humans don't have cat-like eyes unless there's some other thing going on unless there's some other warlock yeah yeah is there an explanation to your character race class combo that would tell me why you have eyes like this because if you don't have an explanation by the rules as to why that would happen, I would... No. 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 But one thing to remember is no. this is one of those Facebook groups where they also agree with the whole, well, the race class combo shouldn't matter. Basically, everyone is all a, a fucking gray blob and you can do whatever you want because you're all the specialist snowflakes. That, that's, that, yeah. it, that flies in the face of... D&D by itself, mm. right off the bat. Yeah. The whole point of D&D and any role-playing game that has a race-class combo, especially when it comes to classes, I mean, you could take out all of the races and leave everybody just as human. Mm-hmm. The classes are one of the most important uh, pillar to role-playing yeah. in whatever setting you're playing, whatever era you're playing in, because there's only certain things a thief can do, only certain things a cleric can do, only certain things a fighter can do, only certain things a wizard can do. Or the demolitionist. Or, or a demolitionist. Or a soldier. An or... Off, uh, artificer. Exactly. Right. The whole point is that you bring your talents to the table and add these to the talent pool so when the adventure begins, you help everybody else get through the challenges based on what strengths you have. And cover help. for the weaknesses of others. And yeah, and, and they will is... give their strengths to cover for your weaknesses in turn so this... you can accomplish the task at hand. And that's why it's a group building game. Yes. You all have to get together and party as a group. If everybody's a special gray snowflake blob, then there's no point. And, you know, the other thing about this, this is exactly why you have a diverse grouping of talents. Mm-hmm. Right? Like you mentioned, there's only so many things the thief can do. Fireball is not typically one of them. Look, I'm and not. And when a- you need to deal with that warren of just. or uh, that clutch of undead skeletons or whatever. Blammo! Boom! I, I am not a sports guy. At all. You guys know this, and now our listeners know this. I am not a sports guy at all. But if the entire game was played by two opposing teams, and everybody is a linebacker. Yeah, the game would go nowhere. The game would go nowhere. It would be fun to watch or for a little everyone while. everyone was a quarterback. It'd be basically a WWF wrestling match just with a bunch of guys on either side, but nobody would really get anywhere. A baseball game where everybody plays outfield would just suck. But hold on, you got to remember, most of these people that are for this style of role-playing don't like sports in the first place because, well, it, it makes you too much of a conformer. So I'm sorry, but... If a tall guy walks in, I'm gonna have to ask him to get the shit off the top shelf, not the fucking person that's four foot two. I would be I would be beyond impressed if I saw a five foot nothing string bean of a guy slam dunk a ball. Mm. I might actually be a fan of basketball for about five minutes after that. Point Please, is, they get me. tall people because they can slam dunk. They can move fast. They can they, reach. They, they have reach. Shoot. They can shoot better because, well, you know, height uh-huh. matters for that sport. Nobody wants to watch a game with a bunch of average dudes clutching their chests saying that they're about to have a heart attack. They want to see athletes. If everybody's the same and you get Captain Normal out there, the game would just fucking tank. Anything, yeah. any point of competition <laughs> where both sides are purely equal uh let's let's take a look at chess for example okay. right in the battlefield of chess both sides are identical 
real combat is not like this. Exactly. Well, even beyond that, they're... But not every well, piece chess is identical. It... Checkers, everything is exactly identical. Until you yes. get king. So chess, each piece has their own move set. Exactly. Right. Nobody wants to play... You know, I would like to run one just to see how it would go, but nobody really has ever been inspired and like had a lot of fun thinking, let's make a D&D game where everybody plays a commoner and they're all fighters level one. I mean, or, yeah, or, you're, or you're any guard training. Or, or level one commoners, and the GM is like, okay, we're going to play till level 20. You're going to be commoners all the way through. That way, it is completely balanced. Everybody gets the exact same number of skills. They have the exact same number of skills. They get the same hit die. They have no weapons or armor or magic training. You're all just guys with pitchforks, and you're going to go through your adventure all the way to level 20. Chances are they won't make it past level 4, but nobody wants to play that. Yeah, and it's the like, thing it seems like, like it could be a fun challenge, but you'd have to have exactly the right group to pull it off. For, for, you'd have to have the right group to pull it off. But then again, the right group would be different from another group. We can't have that. Everybody's got to be a homogenous gray blob, which is basically what they're pushing with trying to have D and D, where the race doesn't matter. I'm sorry, but dwarves. It's a good thing that they have dark vision. They live the underground. Have a little low light vision. But the cat folk, of course they have good dark vision. They have the best dark vision. They tell other people about this dark vision, how they can never touch this dark vision, because it's the best dark vision. The whole point of role-playing in its own way is, you know, basically uh, improv of being in a place that you can never, ever, 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 ever fucking be in. In a person that you are not. In a person that you are not, you know, it's the to ultimate power fantasy. Actual real to life. escape actual reality. And the races are actually one of the most critically important part of this. Because if I'm running a Egyptian campaign pre uh, the desert uh, desert changes that happened in that region, so we're talking, you know, the, these grasslands of ancient Egypt, mm-hmm. you know, when the, there were still trees and things there, when um, the Sahara didn't exist. Yes. Uh, if I was playing that game and I was like, you know, the, the core races are, you know, going to be basically based off of the mythology of that time. So, you know, humans, of course, obviously, maybe I'll include halflings for the fun of it. They're small folk from a far-off pygmy land or whatever. Mm-hmm. Shabti would, you know, be their own flair. You know, I'd add those in. Maybe a couple of other what races. Were the snake-headed people? Oh, the Yonti. Yeah. Yeah, so if I added in Yonti, that'd be great, man. Especially, like, if they're fighting against the Dark Gods. If I let, did the same races as that in, like, a... Uh, medieval fantasy is a Celtic campaign. It just would not fucking fit. Yeah, you'd have a real time, hard time being a snake person out in the frozen north. Yeah, it's not going to go well. Or a golden skinned effigy that's got no soul because you're supposed to bear the sins of the person that created you according to a mythology that's half a world away. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is enough of that that you could probably actually make an argument for it. Like sent, like made, and then sent far away. But at the same token, that's you got to be able to explain that. It's like the tail thing. Well, I'm an extra planer. I'm not na- native to this plane. I got stuck here. Or it's vestigial. Or it's vestigial. Or I'm from it's a, a Mandela effect. Okay. Yeah. Or you know, great granddad was a dragon, and I happen to be. <laughs> it skipped a generation. It skipped a generation, but I got it. You know, any any of these are plausible explanations. And that's the key to making these details stick, is making them plausible. And, but meanwhile, we're in a generation where people are like, I just basically want to play whatever the fuck I want, and you have to go along with it and run this game for me. Why? Okay, okay, Let, let's just get rid of all races in Dungeons & Dragons. Just, just get rid of want. all of them. All of them. Humans, elves, dwarves, all of the core material that D&D was first written on based on the writings of Tolkien. Just get rid of all of them. Just oh, don't get me started on how they're butchering Tolkien. Oh, yeah, they're butchering the shit out of Tolkien. Okay, so let's just replace all the races with Changeling. Problem solved. Everybody is now a shapeshifter. You can be whatever the fuck you want. Oh, God, oh, you would be even so be a shapeshifter because everyone would basically be this hairless, uh, blob creature... That what? nothing has to look like anything else, and you're all individual. Well, that's apparently what they want. Shapeless, formless, eyeless, bald things that can imitate... Amoeboid. Amoebas. Yeah. A- amoeboid. That's yeah. what you're describing. Amoeboid. Or slime. Yeah. Which... Let's just get rid of all the races. No, and... slimes have defining features. I know! Yes, they do. 
<laughs> Sorry, I know, listeners, we started with the difference in colors and their uses and ended up in a diatribe about people who want to try and remove the races from D&D and how they're actually a good thing and that's how you have real diversity. Because I'm sorry, as we're all humans, that's it. We're all one flavor. Human. But in another world where there are actual different species with different backgrounds, half of them are created by gods, the other half are from extraplanar realms. That's what made the here. fucking relationship between Gimli and Legolas all the better. They started off as enemies. They, they, made, they really didn't they, like each they other. They really didn't like each other. If they were both elves, it just it would not have had that same oomph. Especially since dwarves are canonically so radically different than elves. So that scene where they're standing outside the gates, you know, and they're like, yes, I can die with a friend. That had a massive amount of oomph because they finally found that mutual respect for each other. And that's what we we're supposed to be sowing. And that's you know, what made togetherness. it. Yeah. But no, now they <sighs> just want to make it where it's a bunch of elves fucking the Far Easters, even though canonically at this time they weren't in that part of the world. Yeah, though. No. Anyway, um. Yeah, the details. Uh, the details. This, this all started. Well, honestly, I think this all relates to you know Schrodinger's tale in that post, because again, this is somebody who wants to do their own special snowflake thing, and I can guarantee if somebody else got special dispensation to make their character extra specialer, everyone else is gonna want it. It would suddenly become a, a fucking flurry. A bidding war. One fox person has eight tails, so they're almost a perfect fox. Yeah. You know, that total weeb shit. And, like, if that's the game you want to run, make sure you have that in mind at the start. Because <laughs> otherwise it's going to throw everything that you are trying to accomplish as a, as a storyteller. Not as a GM, as a storyteller. If you get a mitt full of special snowflakes, your entire thing is your entire story has been snowed over. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Because this heralds to another uh, episode we did, you know, where it was basically the players abusing the GM. You know, because the players are demanding stuff until the GM relents, and then once the GM relents once, they're going to do it again and again and again just to get what they want out of the game. While the GM is sitting there going, "Why am I even bothering running when I could leave the room?" and they Results of the game would be exactly the same. Where they basically play magical bullshit make-believe. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, what's the saying? Give an inch, they'll take a mile. You give them one hand, they bite off both. Yep. Yeah, I hate it's... my wife and her boyfriend, too. <laughs> Awkward. Yeah, lyrics from a song. Is... Uh, <laughs> so, there's one thing I want to take away from all this. It is simply the fact of the, the little comic, I don't know if it, it was meant to be a meme, but it was far too long to be a meme. Oh, so it was left? Yeah. Okay. But it's a thing of this person is basically trying to bully the GM when all the GM was doing in that moment was sharing knowledge to expand that person's knowledge of what was going on. It wasn't even in a derogatory thing saying you can't. It's just saying, well, this species doesn't normally have a tail canonically. It actually really says a lot about that group that you joined the discussion, and I'm guessing, because of the kind of guy you are, you didn't fly off the handle and drop F-bombs every third word or anything like that, and they still kicked you out for having an opposing opinion. Well, I was in the group yesterday, and now I'm not. Oh, uh, yeah, it sounds so... Ghost man. It's, uh, well, this is, again, this is the court of tolerance that he was dealing with. You know, and accept me, bigot, or you'll, you'll be expunged. Yeah, which sucked because there were a bunch of other great people where I was sharing GM tips and talking about gaming, even though it was a 5th edition group, which I'm not a big fan of. But, but some things don't there. really need the system specifics. Yeah, it was just a thing to talk about GMing, and especially about minis. Oh my god, this group had mini painters galore, and now I'm, I'm gone. And I, I tried searching them, they didn't come up. Well, you know what? As somebody who's been banned from more than one most social media platform... It's actually a good thing, dude. Like, yeah. like cutting back on social media is actually really mentally healthy. Mm-hmm. I am way happier now. Uh, granted, I'm still an ass, and I, I still have my moments. <laughs> but overall, overall, like throughout the day, without that infusion of social media, I'm not as like disappointed in reality and life and all that shit as I was when I was constantly on social media. Whoa. It's like kicking a fucking habit. Oh, yeah. Well, you mentioned downstairs before podcasting about how weird it was to see me happy. Yep. Yeah. 
and it you know good yeah. thing right and it's and to circle this back to to GMing and storytelling you know details matter they do because they give the world life and if you are talented enough everything has a reason everything has an explanation sometimes not the same but they have both and if you can do this for I don't know 80% of the things you're dealing with in your game leave the other 20% to spitball then what you can do is make a living breathing world that will carry on without the players unless it is forcibly ended uh, my final thoughts from this subject um, the GM was in the right Mm -hmm. Uh, according to what you told me about that post, when he said, hey, canonically, dragon-blooded don't have tails in my world. I would appreciate if you don't have a tail on your character. I think the GM was completely in the right, because ultimately, the way gaming has been for, I don't know, the last four decades, since it was introduced in the mid-70s, the GM is always right. The GM is not God. He tells God what to do. Uh, so, I, as a GM, say that the GM was completely in his right on this one. It doesn't sound like he was overbearing about it whatsoever. It didn't even sound like he was trying to be argumentative it about it. It doesn't sound like he was and trying he to be argumentative or a dictator about it. They were just stating the facts that in their world, as it goes, and canonically they don't. This is what to expect. This is what to expect. I do think the player was in the wrong on this one for demanding to let the GM play their character the way they want to, because... Once that GM makes concessions to one player in the group, they have to make concessions to all the players. and It's no longer their story. It's no longer a, a group effort at that point. It's competitive between GM and players. I think the GM was in the right on this one. And I don't know who it is, but kudos to you for sticking to your guns. And even in... <clears throat> sorry. That's me. <clears throat> let back me, to my crypt. Let me pull out my man voice. Uh, <laughs> the, the GM in this art, so the, they were the dragonborn, right? Your dragon, half dragon, right? Whatever. So, pretty intimidating look. The GM uh, imprint on this was literally just like a little blob person. It's just a little squishy marshmallow looking thing. And then you have this dragon, uh, half dragon person, whatever they were, dragonborn, basically coming over like they were going to fucking assault them in in the art. And it, it kind of felt like the uh, new guy meme. The artist meant it in one way, and it totally backfired on me. Yeah, like the, uh, what was it, first time meme? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's it's kind of sad that the, that the world has come to this, but frankly, you know, it's our job as gamers to make our games better as a result. And with that, Kazarkan, back to the skies. I, as Doth Blasphemous, would simply like to say the small details do matter in a game when you're trying to make it an all-encompassing playthrough. And simply talking to your players and figuring this stuff out is better than having it become... Having it become a bad time for everybody because player versus GM is a bad thing. It should be player and GM working together to create a fun time. And we really need to try and have more of this harmony and not just jump to attack because someone tries to help you or wants to have some sort of explanation for something. Yes, we all want to play our super special characters, but sometimes you have to make concessions because it's a group game, not a solo play. This isn't you playing fucking Skyrim, right? This isn't you playing any solo player game. This is a group effort. We're all sitting around the table. We're all sitting around our computers. Let's play together. I don't want real-world shit coming into it, and I don't want you to have to pretend something all because you're having a bad time. Let's play together, not against each other. Dalt Blasphemous, signing off.
So uh, my neighbor just had twins, uh, twin boys, and uh, I caught her outside, and she was carrying one of her kids. And I was like, oh, which one of her kids is this? And she's like, oh, well, you know, I, I had twins recently. I had them all, and this is one. And I'm like, really? Well, where, where's them all? And she's like, well, this is one. I mean, once you've seen one, you've seen them all. <laughs> 